Well, now they're extending this to make it two years for any type of claim. <sighs> so now you have to file a claim within two years, years, no matter what. We don't magically litigate cases, right? Courts will dismiss bad cases in two seconds. Are you kidding me? We have a, a, a legal standard of breach of contract. We have to prove that they breached the contract, right? Absolutely. If we can't prove that, the case gets dismissed. Sometimes I am a little bit old. We all eventually become a little bit old school in our ways because we stick with what works. But when we find out some of the new things that are going on, it's really cool. And what I've noticed with bringing public adjusters together is that we share all that knowledge and it only makes us stronger because there's no reason for us to be competing against each other. As you know, there is plenty of business out there. There are plenty of claims out there across Florida, across the country. And there's no reason why we should be fighting one another because at the end of the day, it's really not us against us. Frankly, it's us against them. It's the carrier's burden to prove the exclusion at trial, not the other way around. So in fact, you don't even have to put an expert up at trial. You don't have to call an engineer. You don't have to call them. I like to, I want to, but you don't have to. You just have to get up and say, you know what? My property got damaged during this policy period. It's covered. Now they have to prove that it's excluded. It's so mafia when I don't like to usually mention, but fuck it, we've been mentioning insurance companies. It's so mafia when citizen says, here's what we're gonna do. You have a $50,000 loss. You can choose our, our people and we'll, 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 we'll honor the $50,000 worth of damage. But if you don't use our people, we're gonna strong arm you and only pay you 10. How does that get passed? So it actually proves that the damage on the data loss alleged is, is what they're claiming, right? There's no wear and tear to a roof. A roof only sits on your roof, man. It either functions or it doesn't function. And the, and the, what's the reason for it? Okay, if you're saying it's old, that's why it's not functioning. Just say that. Is old excluded under the policy? No. What's up, advocates? And welcome back to another episode of the Claims Game Podcast. Before we start, got to tell you that we are sponsored by Fortez Health. If you want any of your any of your PPE needs, make sure you go to Fortez Health. Uh, get your mask, get your gloves, get whatever it is. Uh, seems to me now, as people are, I guess, sort of getting away from the COVID thing, uh, this is actually a good sponsor for mold people, people who do mold tests, well, media, mold remediators, so on and so forth. But if you go on the website uh, to um, to if you go on to the website of Fortez Health, if you put in Vince twenty, you will get twenty percent off of any of your purchases. So give it a shot. Man, I'm excited because we. I literally just finished the interview. And I know I say this all the time, but legitimately one of the best interviews I've done because Ali Kadir has got the passion like I had never seen. I mean, this guy has got so much passion about what he do, what he does. He is an attorney. He works at Kuhn and Razlovich. Uh, they are located in Tampa, Florida, Orlando, and I'm not sure where else. You can go uh, on their website is their website is is uh, thekrfirm.com. Uh, but that being said, uh, you could get, you could catch Ali on, he's very, very prevalent on LinkedIn. Ali Kadir, Ali Kadir, A-L-I-K-A-D-I-R. He's also on Facebook. But let me tell you guys, this was the interview of a century. I mean, it was awesome. 
I mean, we talked about so much. Just to give you an idea, we talked about some dangerous bills that they're trying to pass, and they are just like, I mean, just it just kills the attorney industry, and it just kills a lot of rights that policyholders have. Uh, we talk about Senate Bill 76, H, uh, House Bill 305, Senate Bill 212, and he breaks it down. He breaks it down into details. The other thing we talk about is all the statutes and laws. He tells you how we could file a CRN. He goes over CRNs that he files pretty much on a, on a daily basis, and we go over all of the statutes that he puts in the CRN to help you public adjusters file that stuff. Uh, no matter where you live either, you've got statutes, you've got Unfair Claims Practices Acts, most states, and you could you could notify the state, you could notify and file bad faith claims in most states, um, and you could go to some, to some of these statutes. They may differ in your state, but they're going to be similar, and you can notate these statutes because the insurance company does it on every single claim. They take too long to pay. They underpay. They misrepresent. They misrepresent the facts. They do it all the time. We break it down. We go into complete details about it. And then, like I said, the bills that we've got in Florida that are kind of BS, but fact of the matter is we really talk about the racket the racket that these insurance companies have uh, i think you guys have known for a while i don't really bash insurance companies i really don't it's not what i do but at the same time it's very difficult because of what we have to deal with on a daily basis ali gets into it and when i say he gets into it he swore in the beginning he would not curse but he went after it and he got his face in the camera so if you're listening to this on the podcast uh on itunes or on on, on spotify i'm sorry you won't see it but i mean he gets in the face of the camera so stay tuned you're gonna love it it's an amazing interview you gotta watch it so i hope you enjoy the man the myth the legend ali kadir welcome to the claims game podcast with vince perry get all the tips you need from insurance claim advocates and professionals and grow your public adjusting career to the next level and now the commercial claims advocate vince perry are here back at it again another claims game podcast with my new bff ali kadir what's up ali what's up vince how you doing man good man it's like i see you every day now <laughs> i told that's why i said bff we're like bffs oh. now i know i know we're, ta we're talking on the phone all the time now but honestly it's because you're, you're you're helping me you're teaching me you're teaching me stuff that frankly i didn't really uh really didn't think about before so i i appreciate you doing that that a lot of other a lot of other attorneys out there like to keep some of these secrets but at the same time i think what you're doing is you're just you're just helping our industry you said something the other day that was really interesting about every claim should not go to litigation litigation should be what do you litigation should be last resort when all else fails that's when you litigate that's when we file a lawsuit but you know for little things like you know i mean not little things but things like crns or or just any little thing that happens throughout the claim doesn't mean you have to kick the litigation right away yeah i i feel that way i feel like in general you know um you know lawsuits are really a last resort uh, tool when you can no longer you know try any other method no, no other method works right so like you know you know try your you have so many tools that you're disposable one is a bad faith complaint and a lot of people don't know about them and they have a strong impact on claims if you know how to draft them um and because it requires the insurance company to respond and and their exposure gets increased significantly you know they get bad faith exposure so uh stuff like that helps a lot of attorneys you're right uh, don't like to tell people um, or, or, or there's a little bit of a dispute of whether uh, non-attorneys can file them. In my opinion, um, if, you, if you look at the website, it allows, you know, anybody to file them. The, the complainant, it, 
third parties other it even says um, you know I, I I think it's broad I and I and, and with all due respect you know it's at the CRN is from the insured not from me uh, we represent the policyholder the homeowner right so uh, at the end of the day it's not my bad faith complaint it's the policyholders the homeowner so as long as we understand that you know they're a wonderful tool Right. Well, I like how you also you also say, Vince, you can make a lot more money by doing this. And the reason is, <laughs> and you also mentioned, well, in the in the meetup that we had, which we have to get into, by the way, but in the meetup we had in Orlando, you did a very smart thing by bringing a, one of, uh, you know, a public adjuster that, you know, you brought him up to speak on behalf, and you and that was not planned. I know that for sure. You would have told me uh, he just came up there and he started talking about how beneficial it's been for him, not necessarily for you, for him. Yeah. And that's, yeah. And that's the way I look at it. You know, I look at it like, you know, the attorney and the public adjuster are a team. I'm the Monday morning quarterback and you guys are, you know, playing the Sunday football game in the trenches, dealing with the insurance company who doesn't want to pay a dime. And when you can no longer, you know, handle the situation, I want to say handle, but when you've run every recourse possible and they force you to, you send it over to counsel. And, and that's how I am with my public adjusters that I work with. The gentleman that spoke that day uh, was, is Chris, uh, Chris Fopiani. I've been working with him for years um, now, and, you know, he trusts me. And I've taught him how to use CRNs um, or help him draft them. You know, obviously, they're the insured CRNs at the end of the day, the policyholders, the homeowners. But I've shown him how you can draft them in a manner in which, you know, they apply to every insurance claim. Um, and, you know, they are, you know, the conduct, the way these insurance companies handle insurance comes right from the get-go, from the biased field adjuster who they pay uh, to, you know, deny or underpay your claim, who, who does a really, in my, in my opinion, a piss-poor inspection. You know, you take these guys' depositions, I mean, it's like, wow, it's like a traffic accident every single time, you know? And, um, and, 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 you know, all this stuff comes out. And that's where the CRN is based on it, my experiences. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they hire these biased field adjusters. They hire these biased engineers, you know, who are, in my opinion, just, you know, all hired guns just to deny the claim. And in my opinion, you know, put the insurance company's interests above the homeowners, the policyholders, which actually runs contrary to what the bad faith statutes say, right? The bad faith statutes say that you must put the insured or the homeowner's interest above your own. That's not what's going on here. Not, not at all. all. Put your phone on silent, Ali. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I can hear it vibrating. It's vibrating. <laughs> I love when you talk about this, but you're not bringing the passion that you usually bring when you when you talk to me on the phone. I want you to bring it, okay? You want me to bring, bring the passion, baby. No, no. I mean, whatever. I know it comes natural anyway, but yeah. So it's ridiculous. We talk about it all the time. You're always telling me how, and it's true. Like these bad faith, these bad faith, um, what do we call it? Bad faith claims, CRNs, whatever that we fill out, these bad faith notices or whatever. Um, There's, there's like these lists of statutes that you could put. And it's really incredible because you could almost use them for every single claim. Like you could use almost the exact same statute for every single claim because they slip up on every single claim. Literally, they have a method, right? The way they go about doing these or handling these claims. And, you know, it's, they think, you know, and I'm just, I don't mean to, you know, you know, it's not a personal thing, but they're really doing this to protect their business interests. The insurance company 
is a multi-billion dollar industry, multi-billion dollars, something like $800 billion in excess, excess profits in 2019. That is insane. Okay. And so, you know, most people think that when they're hiring their insurance company, like State Farm, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there, right? That they're looking Shelly, out for their shed. Shelly, huh? she I'm sorry? Shelly, she shed. Yeah, you know? Uh, and, but they're not, right? Because they're going out there to deny your claim or lowball your claim, and they think you're not going to do anything about it. And, 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 and really, they, they, they look at these statistics. It's something like less than 10% of claimants, homeowners who submit claims, actually file suit. So, you know, this, is, 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 you know, this litigation crisis, the fake litigation crisis the insurance companies are creating is, is not real. And it's just really to raise rates. And, and to make more and, money. And I think like, like, what is it like less than half of claims even go disputed? Like, oh. it's like more than half of claims, they accept the initial offer or they accept the initial payment that comes in from the insurance company. And then that's it. They're done. They don't realize they're what they're doing. They're and I mean, that's, and that's, that's the, I hate to use the word game, even though it is the insurance claims game, because it's not a game. I mean, I think it's a serious issue, but it's, it's not in their best interest. The way I sort of sell my services to people is look, I'm representing you. It's in my best interest to get you as much money as possible. It's in my best interest to get you, get you paid as fast as possible. Because since I work strictly contingency, obviously I'm trying to get paid. The sooner you get paid, the sooner I get paid. The insurance company is the complete opposite. And it's just by design. It's, I don't even blame them. It's just by design where if more than, more than half of claims go undisputed, what's, what's the intention for them to, to actually make a full payment on a claim? more than half of one is muted. And, and if, if every month or every, every three months or six months, whatever it is that you make the deal with your insurance company, you're paying a premium for, I know for a fact that at the end of every year, they get audited and they have to look to see, they look at this ratio, premium, premiums, uh, premium income, claim payments, premium income, claim payments. And they have to keep it at a certain point. If not, obviously for one, high expenses, they can go under. But it just goes to show that all it is, it's, it's, it's a business at the end of the day. And it's an expense that they have to be careful for. So they're going to try to find ways to, to underpay, to deny, to delay, to defend the triple, the triple D that we always talk about. And, and that's what I just try to tell the, that's what I try to tell clients that I'm signing up. It's just logical that there it's in their best interest to deny it or to delay it or to underpay it. And, and that's the way they conduct their business, right? That's their business model. And, and that's part of the basis for the CRM is to really point out this business model. They're, they are not complying with Florida Statute 624.155, which is the bad faith statute, right? They're, they're, they're violating in multiple ways. And then on top of that, you know, there's Florida Statute 626.9541 that also they constantly violate on, on a regular basis. And I cite to these regularly on my in my CRNs because to me this is a, a regular business practice. This is how the insurance company conducts their business. It's rare that they don't. And I can we can go through you know some of the statutes that I cite, and I can show you how, how virtually every every claim they're they're doing this. I've and got. I've got a claim now where uh, they, you know, they actually made the undisputed payment rather fast. Uh, there is no appraisal. I'd like to file a CRN. What would you suggest as the statutes that I that I I bring up in the CRN 
if it's they, they weren't late, you know, they didn't wait more than 14 days. It's literally just not sufficient enough to what they, they underpaid you. They lowballed you. Right. And, and that's and, and 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 you're entitled to file a CRN for that. There's you know, there's you know, if I, I can read the statutes. You know, what are the numbers? What are the numbers? I have to tell Tammy. <laughs> 624.1551B1, not attempting in good faith to settle claims when under all, all you know all the circumstances it could have. It could and should have done so had it act had it acted fairly and honestly toward its insured and with due regard for her or his interests. You know, by lowballing you, they're violating that. Um, simple as that. Uh, you know, we can read these statutes without boring people, and I could literally point out in almost every claim how they're doing this. Um, can you share? Are you have it on your screen? Yeah, yeah. You want to share real quick? A lot of people watch on YouTube, but you definitely because of the people that uh, listen to it, they have to uh, they have to be able to hear. So yes, you will have to. I want you to name the statute and I want you to read the statute. Um, well, let me share. Like I said, I know, and I'm I'm I allow you to share, uh, and I and I know that like like we were just talking about, and we actually went over this not too long ago, is that every single claim pretty much is going to have a laundry list of statutes that you could you could go to and you could call them out on a lot of things they did. So for example, in Florida, in in Florida, in in Florida, they have 14 days to respond to any communication. In Texas, it's 15. In California, it's 15. Hey, did you know, Ali, in California, it's 40 or 45 days to uh, come up with a coverage decision? Oh, no, oh, that's wait, no, that's not what it was. That's because I'm licensed in Florida and I'm hiring adjusters in Florida. And yeah. I wanted to look at some of the Unfair Claims Practices Act. First of all, they don't call it unfair. They call it, call it Insurance Practices Act, something like that. And I think it's 21 days. 21 days to come up with a coverage decision unless they have a significant good reason to go to extend it after after that, which it's 45 days. That's pretty cool, huh? Yeah, that's the fire state, right? I mean, it's that's yeah, the fire that's, state. So I can't wait because I've got one, maybe two adjusters lined up who's going to be working for us. And uh, I want to get all these together because, I mean, one thing is for sure, right? The civil remedy notice, that's nationwide. Bad faith claims is nationwide, correct? Or, or am I wrong about that? Well, you know, I, I only practice in Florida, so I can I can tell you what we can, you know, do in Florida. You know, I'm sure there's some form of a bad faith complaint in every state. Um, okay, so 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 read to me the ones that I could use for my claim right now, where it was quick, it was uh, undisputed payment came within honestly about three weeks, uh, but it's not close to what we need. So what are the ones you think I should cite for just a just a typical underpayment? You got it. Um, so the reasons for the notice, uh, claim, claim denial, claim delay, unsatisfactory settlement offer, unfair trade practice. Uh, I also put misrepresentation. I add that myself. That's the drop down box. But should I, use, should I use denial if it's not a denial? It's a delay. Well, they're denying full payment of your claim. Ah, I got you. So it's always a denial, in my opinion. If they're not paying you how much you're seeking, it's a denial. Whether it's gotcha. a full or a partial denial. That's the whole thing. But if they're not paying you, you know, um, the amount of money you're requesting, I consider that a denial. And misrepresentation. Uh, I mean, that to me is probably like, that's literally 100%. I mean, every time they balk at every freaking thing that I throw at them, it's like, come on, people. I try to apply these ambiguous uh, policy exclusions and to try to deny your claim or not cover certain things on your claim. And these provisions are just, I mean, they're like wear and tear marring, deterioration, they, they use that uh, exclusion almost literally every time. Faulty maintenance, faulty installation. You know, 
all these pointing to like these these damages occurring prior to the inception of the policy. Well, first of all, why are you insuring the home if these damages existed before then, right? So that makes no sense, right? So, but yet you're trying to exclude it and claim that these damages existed prior to the data loss. So if they existed prior to the data loss, like you're claiming, and they're not related to what they're alleging, then you should be able to prove it, right? They have an underwriting file, don't they? Every year they're supposed to do underwriting file, right? They're supposed to inspect the property and their underwriting file, the contents of it, should have inspection reports, photographs, should show whether those damages are there or not, right? But how many field adjusters or quote unquote independent adjusters actually look at the underwriting file before inspecting a home? They don't. Is when you eat them up. They refuse to look at it. And when you try to get it through discovery in, in the lawsuit, they fight tooth and nail to not let you have it. Why? Because it proves your case. It defeats their defense that these damages are long-term. And um, so, you know, like, for example, there's a wind mitigation report in almost every citizen's, citizen's property insurance underwriting file that will show you the condition of the roof prior to the day of loss. And it was so, fine. You insured it because it was fine. Exactly. So it actually proves that the damage on the data loss alleged is is what they're claiming, right? But you know, citizens will much, fight tooth and nail to not give you that underwriting file like and the inspection report. How much do you love eating these guys up at deposition on a scale of one to ten? Oh, ten. <laughs> ten, ten, ten. It, it harks me back to my prosecution days, you know? Um I, I love going to trial, you know, as a prosecutor, I think close to 50 trials, I was a felony prosecutor. So I like being in the trenches. I like fighting. I like going after people when I think they're lying and, you know, asking them tough questions. Um, well, you mentioned, because you have kids, you mentioned that when you were doing the prosecution, you used to just love to go after any of like the, the kid related crimes and stuff. Yeah, the, the child abusers, the child molesters, the sex, yeah. sex offenders that abuse yeah. little children. Those were the ones that I like to go after the most. I mean, just no sympathy whatsoever, right? Right. Um, I, I, you know, I, 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 can't, I don't, without bringing up bad memories, too many bad memories, um, that's the kind of stuff that drives you, right? You see this really bad guy in front of you that's molested this little baby, and you're like, uh-uh, no way. And, and you go after them like, you know, like a bulldog, you know? I mean, politely, uh, you know, you don't get angry. You don't use anger. Uh, anger gets you nowhere. But you use all your skills as a prosecutor to really, you know, convict this guy. So let me let me before because I want to go back to us full screen. Let me read real quick. About, I'm not going to read the actual statute numbers because there are a lot of people that that listen who are not in Florida. So just to name a few guys in your state, chances are, and I'm licensed in three states. There's unfair claim practices act in in all three states that I work in. So I would definitely recommend that you go <clears throat> on whatever department financial services website or just Google unfair claim practices acts and whatever your state is, and chances are it'll come up. But here, I'll try to just run through them a little bit. Uh, one of them is not attempting in good faith to settle claims. Another one is making claim payments to insureds not accompanied by a statement setting forth the coverage. Another one is accept as to a liability coverage, failing to promptly settle claims. Again, promptly. Failing to adopt and implement standards for the proper investigation of claims. That's a big one, guys. I mean, they never, they never do what they're supposed to do to, to come up properly with their coverage decisions. They don't investigate properly. Uh, misrepresenting pertinent facts 
or insurance policy provisions relating to coverage. So when you got when when we send emails and letters uh, with expert documentation and we cite policy and they still tell us that it's not true, that's misrepresenting. Failing to acknowledge and act properly promptly upon communication with respect to claims, denying claims without conducting reasonable investigations, failing to affirm or deny or partial coverage of claims, uh, failing to promptly provide a reasonable explanation in writing, failing to properly to promptly notify the insured of any additional information necessary for the processing of a claim, failing to clearly explain the nature of the requested information and the reasons why such information is necessary, and then unfair claim settlement practices. I mean, this is just you could you could get uh, out of the full screen there, uh, yeah. but this is uh, yeah. I mean this. Everything that we just listed is just super duper common in every single claim. I mean, it happens pretty much all the time. It's the norm, right? It's really how uh, they conduct business. Yeah, it's unfortunate, but it is what it is. You mentioned drive. You mentioned what drives you. We were talking about kids, right? Kids, family. And I don't know why. It's just I wrote drives and I remember you were talking about your kid. Yeah, yeah. That, that's what drives you, right? I mean, oh, you know, to me, I have three children. Uh, 13 year old, 11 year old, and a one year old. And wow, if it wasn't for that, I probably would be surfing, <laughs> right? Uh, in California or something, man. I don't know, just uh, I, I wouldn't be putting myself through this, but you know, at the same time, I enjoy this. You know, I mean, I was built for this, like it, it's you know, it's funny, like, um, you know, it's weird. I, I went through my whole life, you know, you go to school, my parents try to turn me into a doctor, okay? I'm Pakistani background, Indian, Pakistani background. And, you know, and all, and everyone, they always try to make an engineer, doctor, whatever. So when I became a lawyer, they were like, what is this lawyer? What is this nonsense lawyer? And I'm like, yeah, because, you know, I, I was always good at, at verbal stuff, public speaking. I'm good, good with people. I, I'm not a, I'm not, I was never really great at science. Although I got good grades, I never loved it. And um, I wasn't the greatest at like, you know, I was good at physics, but, you know, I didn't love it like what I did with public speaking and engaging with people. And and for me, I couldn't do it. So I dropped out of uh, pre-med, like you could say, the first semester of undergrad. And, and I'm thinking, you know, what do I do? You know, and I'm like, I, I, why not, like, you know, explore? And I just started thinking about it. I'm like, you know what? Why not? Why not law school? Why not be a lawyer? And you like to argue. And you know, it's to, it's, it's to your strength, right? It works to your strength. So that's, that's what drove me into that. And then, and after going through the tough, tough law school and, 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 and the long hours, it's really your family that pushes you over the edge, right? And keeps you going. So well, that's what I was talking about at the meetup on Orlando. You know, when I spoke to everybody, that's what all of this is all about. I talk about it with my team every single week. I talk about it with both my team of, of assistants and my team of adjusters now. Um, we've got, what, how many we got now? We got four of us, five of us. Um, and it's, you know, I've got, I've got a guy in Pensacola. I've got a guy in California. I've got two guys in Miami and we might have another guy in California. So I need to make sure that I, I want everybody to understand that this is our purpose. Our purpose is people. And we start yeah. with the people that we love and we start with the people that are around us, the people that we care about. It starts with us as a team to making sure that we have each other's back, that we're working for each other. So if I need, if I need something from Paul in Pensacola, I know that I can call him. He's going to have my back to make sure he does it, California, so on and so forth, because I've already told them they're my number one priority. I've got a lot of adjusters that follow me on commercial claims advocate and everything. But at the end of the day, my guys are my guys. 
And that's where it starts us. And then from there, it extends to our family. That's why we do it, right? We're, we're signing these claims. We're, we're, we're fighting these claims so that obviously we can make a good living so that we could support our family. And then the third part of that is, again, why we do it, which is support us, support our families, and support the policyholder. It's all about people at the end of the day. And that's why, that's why I thought it was really cool. And I mentioned that at, at the meetup. Uh, I wanted everybody to understand that that's what this is all about. When you have a greater purpose... It's just so much easier to be successful. I agree, definitely. And the pot, the insurance companies, their purpose is not that. It's the opposite, <laughs> right? Uh, they, they are the bad guy. And, and funny, they try to portray it the other way around, right? Uh, you know, but it, and we'll get to that in a moment with this legislation and all the, uh, uh, you know, skyrocketing of rates in Florida. Uh, yeah, so let's, let's talk about that. Because I, I was I was talking to you on the phone. We were we were going over CRNs, <laughs> and uh, and I'm like, dude, you're like you you tell me anything you need, you know, I'll be here. And I'm just like, dude, I've got no content <laughs> for this week. I said, you got two hours. You want to come on a podcast? And you're like, absolutely. And you specifically mentioned uh, these things. Last week, I had on Matt Mulholland and Doug Quinn. Matt Mulholland is a public adjuster in Georgia. He's part of Gapia. And Doug Quinn is the president, or he's one of the big guys in the American APA, American Policyholders Association. Both, you know, they're, they're, they fight for policyholders to make sure laws like this don't pass. So what's the deal? What's going on? Well, in that podcast, basically, we spoke about that. It was a big event that he was able to do it in Georgia. They have no appraisal. In Georgia, they have no time limits. In Georgia, they have no homeowner bill of rights. In Georgia, they don't have shit. So what is the deal? And I wouldn't be surprised if every other state tries to piggyback off how they have it, how they have it with Georgia so that, you know, they don't have to pay claims. So what's the deal? What's going on? I hope not. If we turn into Georgia, my God, we're, you know, we would be in big trouble. Florida has over 30 million people, right? As a, as a state. And, you know, we're one of the biggest storm states, if not the biggest in the country, we're a peninsula. We're almost like an Island that juts out into the, you know, uh, to Atlanta. the Gulf and the Caribbean. Uh, we're like no other state in, in the United States. Uh, Ain't that the truth? It, yeah, it, it's true, man. We, we, <laughs> we're exposed to more storms than anywhere. And, I, and, and historically, that's a fact. And that's why the laws in this state were passed to protect the homeowner and policyholder. And it's historically, it's been like that, right? Since Hurricane Andrew, that rocked South Florida, right? Destroyed South Florida, you know, Public adjusters, uh, the attorney fee statute uh, has protected the policyholders for so long. Now, all these things are being chipped away at, uh, particularly recently, within the last couple of years. Um, you know, my opinion, you know, we have two ways to look at the AOB statute that came out. Um, people say, well, it regulated AOB companies. Well, at the same time, it also allowed insurance companies to pay their own vendors lower amounts and and do and, and do poorer jobs in handling claims whereas now a third party who has no interest to help, uh, to work for the insurance company who's actually trying to mitigate and restore the property now can't do it uh, because the insurance company now um, won't pay them the money or under the statute limits the amount that they can pay them and they have all these requirements silly requirements under the statute that make it impossible to do business down in Florida so now you have insurance companies hiring their own vendors, which people's trust does all the time, right? And they're, no, they're the biggest ones out of all of them. Um, 
and, and, and they do the worst job in the world in drying out these properties. The and they dry have these, and they, they're they, so bad. They, oh, they're so bad. And they, and they have like these contracts with them where they're paying them like, you know, nothing, nothing for this. Peanuts. Yes. And so that, that AOB statute, let them get away with that, in my opinion. And now it gives the, it gives the insurance company more power. It takes away more power away from the policyholder or the homeowner. And the insurance company can make more money to the at the expense of the homeowner. The new legislation is no different. Um, and I actually have them right here. Um, it's Senate Bill 76. Okay. Um, another one is, uh, let's see, House Bill 305. Okay. Both of those are destructive. And then there's another one, Senate Bill 212. All three of these are really on the slate for DeSantis to sign this year. And they destroy, they're not just chip away at, at, at homeowners policy rights. In my opinion, they destroy policy rights. What are, so what's, what's Senate Bill 76? Yeah, let's go through each one, right? Um, and, and the funny thing is, is like, who allowed this stuff to happen? Before we let's jump into this, who allowed it to happen? We did, we voted in friendly, uh, insurance friendly representatives and legislatures that don't give a rat's ass about me or you. All they care about is, am I going to get reelected? Who's paying my reelection? Who's going to put money in my reelection fund? You know, and, and that's what these insurance companies are doing. And they are passing the worst legislation possible. So let's, let's look at SB 76. Um, so this statute, in my opinion, it hurts the policyholders the most. And I, it basically... Uh, you know, normally uh, there's a statute called 427.428 that permits attorney's fees, right? For, for uh, 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 you know, insurance claims in Florida. It requires the insurance company to pay our attorney's fees. So the policyholder doesn't have to, right? Why does it confer that benefit? So the policyholder can, insure, can sue the insurance company without having to incur any money. That's what the statute is to protect the policyholder. Other than that, they would have to hire an attorney out of their pocket, which they couldn't afford to do, right? So what is what does this bill does? It chips away at that statute, right? So what it says is that it deviates, right? There's a thing called a lodestar method, right? You multiply the number of hours worked by the reasonable hour rate, right? And that's what your lodestar number is. That's how much technically you get paid. But there's also a thing called a multiplier, which allows a judge to multiply the amount that you, uh, the amount of fees that you generate based upon the complexity of the case, right? So if the judge determines that, hey, you know, this case was tough, you know, it was a denial, um, this, this policy or this homeowner could not get an attorney of this quality uh, in, in the area that he lived in. And, 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 and so I'm going to grant a multiplier of two. So I'm going to double the attorney's fees because I'm going to punish the insurance company for not paying this claim. This statute now limits uh, the ability to do that. It only, it says exceptional and rare circumstances, rare and exceptional circumstances. Can that be issued? Why are they doing this? It's already established in case law when a multiplier can be uh, entered. Why are they putting this in a statute? Because they're trying to chip away at the homeowner's rights. They're trying to, they are taking away power and and from the homeowner the, and giving it to the insurance company so they can make more money but the, the, you mentioned 
You mentioned multiplier though, but does that does that still does that take away from the attorney right the attorney fees and costs? You, you could still still build the insurance no, company. You, you no? certainly can, but it's 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 like another you know chipping uh, away. Tool. It's like another tool that they're chipping away at. So now they're not worried about the multiplier. Oh, so who cares if we deny the claim? Let's litigate the heck out of this and and just pay him his hourly rate. No punishment. No, if you so it almost gives them. Uh, a, uh, I would say, you know, an impetus. It gives them uh, a, a reason now to want to deny claims even more. You know, it, it's it's almost like because well, it won't cost them to. as much. That's the that's the threat in litigation. You know, when I send my letters and I threaten them with litigation, they wake up real quick because they understand that it's going to cost them a lot of money. And like you, like this multiplier and stuff. I didn't even know about that multiplier. That's crazy. Yeah, and and it's funny, like. A lot of people don't know this stuff is being passed. And, and, and this is just the beginning of it. I'm going to keep going. Uh, and, and wait, if I could just interject real quick, the, you know, I do not go to attorney very often. I settle, I'm able to settle probably anywhere between 80 and 90% of my claims. That being said, to know that I've got that defense in the back that I could just throw, throw swords and throw everything I can. And if they do get past my line of defense to know that I have that and I can tell the client, let's file a lawsuit because your attorney fees and costs will be paid for by the insurance company. And it's a great way to threaten the insurance company to make sure they pay what they're supposed to pay is gold. And to take that away, to take that away would be a disaster. Absolutely. That would be the turning point to me. If you take the attorney fee statute away from Florida, our rates would go through the roof in this state. It's actually would have the opposite effect. All this propaganda in the media uh, about there's an insurance crisis in Florida because attorneys are litigating cases and the fees are going up. No, it's because insur- it's because insurance companies are denying valid claims, forcing litigation. Uh, it's not the other way around. That makes so much sense. People think it's the other way around. We don't magically litigate cases, right? Courts will dismiss bad cases in two seconds. Are you kidding me? We have a, a, a legal standard, a breach of contract. We have to prove that they breached the contract, right? Absolutely. If, if we can't prove that, the case gets dismissed. So you know, uh, the reality is, is that it's it's not it's not that it's not that way. Go. This is it, it's pure corporate propaganda because insurance companies can get away with it and they are getting away with it. Uh, the Florida Chamber of Commerce in Florida, and I'm just being honest with you, um, funds, it is the most uh, the, uh, insurance run uh, you know, organization in the state. And it, it runs such a lobbying, uh, 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 such strong lobbying in Tallahassee that all these statutes are getting passed. So that AOB statute got passed, another, they, they amended the bad faith statute, the, which no longer allows you to file a CRN within 60 days of an appraisal demand. What, why, 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 why are you chipping away or getting away, uh, taking away people's right uh, to file a bad faith complaint? Um, why are you doing that? Because the insurance company uh, can do that and are getting away with it. To, to clarify, to clarify in Florida, if you file an appraisal before filing a civil remedy notice, no, if you file, yeah, if you file an appraisal, you cannot file a bad faith claim civil remedy notice until 60 days after that appraisal is filed. If they just amended the bad faith statute to say that. So uh, now if you invoke appraisal and even if, the, uh, you know, you can argue how you want, you know, however you want by looking at the statute. If anybody invokes appraisal 
You're not permitted to file a CRN or, or a bad faith complaint. You know, that we've been calling them CRN. Same thing um, w- within 60 days. That's horrible. So that gives the carrier 60 days to cure what already they've done is bad, bad faith. What, what, why? Why? Why do that? You know, why prevent them? Why prevent you from filing a bad faith complaint? So, so it gives them uh, more an opportunity to, uh, uh, to do uh, more wrong things? I mean, it just makes no sense. It's just another tool, really, to chip away at, at the policyholders or the homeowners' rights. Um, let's keep talking about the stat, uh, uh, this uh, SB 76. So not only does it um, alter attorney's fees by adding uh, you know, this rare and exceptional take, circumstances test. Taking, which, away, taking away the multiplier. Yeah, it, it, which in essence is taking away the multiplier, which is insane, um, uh, in my opinion. Um, but it also, right, uh, uh, in my opinion, you know, under 76, it reduces and limits the coverage on roof claims. So under this provision, a carrier, right, can typically, well, typically, it's, you know, they pay a claim based on replacement cost coverage, right? Replacement cost value, right? RCV. And, and, you know, that's the parlance used in the industry, right? Now they're saying that, hey, we can pay you on what the actual value of your roof is. Forget about what it costs to replace it based on its age. So forget about it costs you $50,000 to replace your barrel, you know, clay tile roof. We're going to pay you only 20 because that's what it's worth right now. Right. I think it's already, I think they're already including, I think I saw a universal policy with that language already in it. Wow. Well, now they're trying to make it statutory. Um, and that's crazy. Again, what's the, what's the, again, what's the, what's the huge difference between that, uh, between having it in a policy and making it statutory? Well, now it doesn't have to be in the policy anymore. Oh, wow. Once wow. you put a statute, it's applies no matter if it's in the policy or not. Wow. This is, so this legislation, in essence, it, 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 it affects, um, you know, uh, the multiplier, getting rid of the multiplier in effect, and then also re- reducing the coverage for roof claims. Oh, my God, a double whammy hitting the, the homeowner. Uh, 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 in my opinion, this will cost causing more money to come out of the pocket of the homeowner, at, 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 which will favor the insurance company. It's just crazy. Uh, and, and it's happening right under our noses right now. If if uh, DeSantis signs this bill, it becomes law July first of this year. Holy crap! That's like next month. Yeah, and the and so this uh, so let's keep going with seventy six. Uh, uh, right, and then also what it does is that um, for you know how typically you know how they just pass a statute where they say you have to file a supplemental claim uh, within a certain time frame if it's a hurricane or a windstorm claim. I think they I think they made it two years from the data loss. Three years. Is it three years? Okay. Well, now they're extending this to make it two years for any type of claim. <sighs> so now you have to file a claim within two years. Two years. No matter what. So they now changed what late notice. Five. Is. It used to be five. Two years. Two years. I That's think crazy. in uh I think I mean, I, I could be wrong. I think Texas is one. I think. I can't. I don't know. There's another state that I know that's like one. Mm. And that, that it's just, it's, it's crazy. I just find that because what if you don't discover your damage until, you know, two, two three years later? 
Who like walks you, on their roof? Nobody walks on their roof unless you got a leak going inside, which a lot of people don't have any interior damages. They just have roof damage and nobody goes up on the roof. Or it takes a long time sometimes for the leak to travel through all the materials. Oh, yeah, you absolutely. Actually, you actually see the damage in your roof. I mean, remember, man, there's there's a there's a, you know, Not, shingles or, or tile. There's underlayment. There's decking. There's wood. There's all these materials. Look at you. Look it's at not you, roofing expert. <laughs> uh, you know, the other thing that was reopening claims, too. I mean, a lot of times they file their claims when they're supposed to and they get underpaid. They don't know that they could dispute it. Two years later, two and a half years later, they've done the repairs. Just a minor repair because they didn't get paid enough. You know, it's nice. I mean, that's how I made my money when I started in 2008 was reopening Wilma claims. I walked in three and a half years later. They 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 might not have had a tarp, but there was a repair made. There was a drywall patch done. And I'm yeah. like, okay, we could reopen this. I see right. that you had damage. You just didn't get paid enough. And I was able to do that up to five years. I'd say, you know, come year five, it got a little bit slower. But for two years, year three and year four, I was going door to door, signing the hell out of those things. Not anymore. Not, Not anymore. anymore. If this statute, if this, if this passes, if this bill passes, man, oof. Not anymore. So here's another thing that it adds. Oh my God, this is a nightmare. I'm not gonna be able to sleep tonight, Ali. I know, man. That's why I, I you know, when we were at the uh, the event, Orlando meetup, I, I wanted to go into more detail about this, but there were too many people. Yeah. And but we are under attack. Homeowners are under attack. And remember, rates have gone up this year, double digits for some people. Putting in the middle of a pandemic, potential foreclosures. I mean, all this happening where people are, you know, can no longer afford to pay their mortgage. And now we have to deal with this scenario. Insane. Now look what now it also adds a 60 day notice. So now you have to provide a 60 day notice to the insurance company that you have, that you, that, that you intend to initiate litigation. So then now you give them 60 days notice and what does, what do they do? What do they think they're going to do in that 60 days, Vince? Uh, they're know. going to demand appraisal. Then you get no fees and you're screwed. And they, well, and, they, and, they, and they come out and they come out with a nice appraisal award to minimize their damage. And then, you know, how appraisal is right. They try to get an umpire to yeah. give a favorable award to them every single time. For those of you listening on the podcast, Ali is just on fire right now. He's looking straight into the camera. He's just like, he's lit. And, and, and am I not lying? Am I telling the truth? <laughs> um, you know, you go on these, uh, uh, you know, these appraisals and they're appointing guys, uh, th their appraiser, they're appointing guys who've been working in the insurance industry or on their behalf for decades. And then they <laughs> complain about the appraiser on the other side who is working for policyholders. Well, who, who are you hiring? <laughs> no, that, that they no, like State Farm, they want the disinterested appraiser when they're sending somebody on their own team. Oh, horrible. And then, so what you do is then, they, and then the umpire, they try to send to someone that's also been then working for the insurance industry. So they force you to go in front of a judge and then the judge typically appoints a retired judge or a mediator or somebody who has no skin in the game, right? Um, and to me, that's like, you know, that happens so often. That is, that is also a common business practice. Um, I'm seeing more and more now also where they're telling people Hey, we, we're compelling appraisal, even though there's a mediation or appraisal provision in the policy instead of appraisal, giving the insured the right to go to mediation instead of appraisal at no cost. But the, no, 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 no. 
we're going to invoke appraisal and, 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 and put that blanket over your eyes. So that mediation provision doesn't exist. Are you kidding me? I, man, I'm going through this stuff right now. Mediation or appraisal. Does that mean it has to be one or the other? Yeah. And you, you tell me, last time I looked up or in the dictionary, right? It's exclusive, right? Hey, do you want an apple or an orange? Vince, tell me. Apple. Is that, so you don't want an orange, right? Not necessarily. <laughs> but at that moment, right, you picked the apple, right? right? The provision says mediation or appraisal. It says specifically. So once you pick one, that's it. You're not, you shouldn't be going to the other one. The policy, it doesn't say mediation and appraisal. It doesn't say mediation, then appraisal. It doesn't say uh, appraisal, then mediation. It says mediation or appraisal. So to me, you know, um, you got to look, look out for this stuff. A lot of these endorsements have that provision in there. Um, and then there's also a statute, Florida Statute 627.705, which prefers mediation over appraisal. A lot of people don't know that, about that either. And then that statute also requires the carrier to pay for mediation. So, you know, there are, you know, tools there to use, use them, you know. Like, um, the carrier always pays for mediation. Because they're required to under that statute, 627.7015. Um, so, you know, but let's keep looking at, uh, let's, you know, let's look at this bill a little bit more. Um, so, you know, this bill right now is, it, I guess, according to what I'm reading right now, it was approved by the Senate Banking and Insurance Committee and is awaiting a hearing by the Judiciary Committee. So this is, this is coming up. Who do we got to talk to? Oh, man, you, whoever's in that Judiciary Committee. <laughs> uh, the, the attorney's fees under this statute Fabia, is going to be stand under a up, sliding baby. scale, a sliding scale structure. So like the, like the AOB statute that they, they this passed, saying that so if we don't recover a certain percentage of the public adjuster's estimate, well, we're not entitled to fees. What? Are you kidding me? That will annihilate the fee statute. This is all happening right now underneath our noses and we're, and no one is doing a thing about it. What do we got to do? Fapia, where are you? Let's do this. Let's I am part this. of the, one of the committees in Fapia. I need to be more active as well. We got to do something really, about this. We really need to get, go after this judiciary committee, every senator in that committee, committee and basically tell them to vote against this bill. Um, now, the, the, the counterpart to this bill is House, uh, I'm sorry, to this Senate bill is House Bill 305. Okay. Um, the only difference is, is that that bill has the same requirements that I just went over with as, as Senate Bill 76. It just doesn't um, require th that you give 60 days, uh, you know, attempt to, lit uh, 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 attempt to initiate litigation to the carrier. But other than that, so you have two bills that mirror each other in the House and the Senate that are destroying the policyholder that we uh, are really need to do something about. That bill is waiting hearing in the Florida Senate Banking and Insurance Subcommittee. So the Housing Bank and Insurance Subcommittee and the Florida Senate Banking and Insurance Subcommittee, what if they're if they are different, we need to we as attorneys, as public adjusters, as homeowners, we all need to go after these guys and talk to them and tell them, please do not pass this legislation. DeSantis is going to sign off on this in two seconds. He's a Republican governor. Whatever your political views are, I don't care. 
the political the Republican Party in the state of Florida is run by the insurance industry, whether we like it or not. Whether you're conservative, liberal, whatever, I'm just telling you what it is. Okay, it's a Republican-dominated legislature right now. That's why these bills are passing. So we got to be careful. Um, and the last bill is Senate Bill 212. This is a standalone bill, right? Um, this this also basically is like a, a, a kind of like a backdoor bill that. Uh, addressing attorney's fees and their reasonableness and multipliers. Okay. Um, so it, it's just another one that it, it basically entails adopting the lodestar fee for property uh, insurance policy lawsuits only. It, basically uh, another one that harms or limits our ability uh, to get attorney's fees. You know, these bills really, I, I can't emphasize more enough I'm on LinkedIn all day long, pointing out all these articles to point, you know, to, that basically point out that how these bills are are chipping away at homeowners' rights and are destroying our rights. Um, HB three hundred five. Can you get into that a little bit more? HB three hundred five. Yeah, it's just the counterpart to SB uh, uh, seventy six. All the same provisions. So everything I just went over with you, that's in our. Uh, in the house, right? So we have a Senate and a house. So both of these are mirroring each other. Eventually one's going to be passed, right? As a bill. One, they're going to come in, they're going to meet and they come and they come up with one bill that'll be signed by DeSantis. We got to stop this, man. We really do. This is crazy. So, all right. So just to go over everything that you just talked about, number of hours, uh, the, the multiplier, ACV on roof claims. That's just absolutely, that's a joke. Insanity. Uh, reopens 60 day notice for attorneys to, to, to file a lawsuit. Yeah. This is brutal. A sliding skill for attorney's fees. So no more, if I get a judgment against them at trial, a dollar more than they're offering. And I got, I get fees. I have to beat him by a certain percentage to get fees. Are you kidding me? Might as well just get rid of the fee statute at that point. Right. You know, that's like gonna that's gonna get the carriers make them more brazen and more and challenge more valid claims. Absolutely. They're gonna want to exactly the, the opposite care. Yeah. of what the statute 627.428 was is supposed to do. Uh, you know? Um so you know, I, I wish I could tell you that I, I I'm positive right now. Um but no, I'm not. no, no, you you've just you've given me nightmares. I appreciate that. Yeah. I mean, we need to obviously contact the Florida Department of Financial Services. We need to contact FAPIA to make sure that we can get everything together. I mean, now you're just kind of making me pumped. Seems to me like we need to we need to reach out to these people to see what we can do. And the insurance industry, their propaganda machine has turned this into like, you know, they're, they're claiming like, oh, all these bills are going to uh, reduce the cost of homeowners insurance claims and protect the policyholders. Dude, if they're trying to do that, why did they just ra- raise rates this year, double digits recently? And now all these homes are going, all these people's homes are going to go into foreclosure. Right. If they really care about homeowners, why are they really raising rates? This is actually going to cause rates to go up even more. You know, if you look at my LinkedIn page, there's article after article where the insurance company are cash rich, man. I mean, they are billionaires. There's no crisis. There's nothing going on. This is just corporate America, corporate greed getting its way at the expense of your common man, yep. me and you, your homeowner. 
Yep. We got to wake up, man. Like, really, this is this is this is uh, the worst legislation I've seen in almost a decade, if not more. Wow, oh, I'm speechless. Which is yeah. that doesn't happen very often. So, as a, as an organization, you know, at our Orlando meetup, um, you know, and and a future meetups, I brought up the issue. We got to make this. We got to bring this to the forefront, man. We got four months now. Four months almost from today's date. Today's March 2nd, right? Four months to, you know, stop this thing from getting worse. So let's go. Public adjusters, stand up. We need to unite big time now, now more than ever. So, so. yeah, it took me, you know, it's funny, like, you know, I would never have thought that I would be this uh, worried about legislation and, and all this stuff. But, you know, you know, once I, left being a prosecutor and joined, you know, change fields of law and joined this field, you know, which is basically property insurance litigation. I mean, legislation gets changed every year now. And it's like, man, wow. You know, you have to just be on the ball. You got to know what's happening around you. Um, or, you know, you're not going to be able to help protect homeowners' rights. Yeah. So luckily, like I said, there, there is an, there, there is Fapia. They, they do have a committee where what they do is they reach out to senators and they reach out to people in the house. Uh, they try to, they try to put meetings together with them so they could discuss, you know, how much this will hurt. Uh, I'm definitely going to reach out to them. I am part of like a group chat there. It's, it's hard to keep up with a little bit, but definitely reaching out to some of these people is probably very important. So whether you're a part of Fapia or not, or any of the, or, or any of the, governmental organizations that we have across the country, you know, it's a good idea to become part of this as public adjusters and to reach out to local senators, reach out to local, um, you know, uh, House of Representatives and, and see, to make sure stuff like this doesn't pass. Because I'll tell you what, I said it once and I say it again, even though I don't end up in litigation a lot, it's still nice to know that I have that there, that I know that there's going to be attorneys who are going to be happy to take my case because, you know, obviously we've done our work on RNSPAs and set up the case correctly, but it's going to be worth it for them. Because what happens is you've got states that, frankly, if there's no attorney fee statute, then it, it, and it's going into the actual cost of the repairs, the homeowner's not going to have any money to actually do any repairs. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, funny thing is, people don't realize that that Florida does Florida's laws right now protect homeowners probably more than any other state. Um, and Louisiana, I think, recently in, in Texas, you've seen you know, the attorney's fee statute get chipped away at. And, and, and it's funny, it's coming this way. And, and, and I just really, um, we really need to start like pointing out, you know, State Farm, Liberty Mutual, all these big carriers, you know, we really need to start understanding that they're not our friends, they're not looking out for us, and they're just looking to make money. And they're the biggest, you know, um, deceivers, you know, you watch these commercials and you think these guys are helping you. You know that State Farm's homeowners insurance policies have mold exclusions in Florida? Yes. You know yes, I do. It's so, annoying. I yeah, found so, that I found that out the hard way. Yeah. So how, how are they a good neighbor? So like a good neighbor, State Farm screws you without telling you that mold coverage? Listen, man, I always say if, if they're not paying out claims, but if they could afford Super Bowl commercial after Super Bowl commercial, obviously they're doing something right on the business end, which is not paying their claims. And they have also a provision where they require you to file a sworn proof of loss without even a request. How are you supposed to know to do that if you're a homeowner? 
Oh, you have to do it. You have to do it 60 days from the date of loss. What if you don't even file the claim until day 90 or day 61? It's, it's, it's crazy. And I find that stuff's insane. You know, they are, you know, their nickname is snake farm and appropriately. So, um, I, I, they are the biggest, biggest, uh, fraud. And, and, and the funny thing is they're what a fortune 500 company. Yes. They're the biggest carrier in America. Yes. And their and policies are the worst. And they know it. They're so arrogant. I used to work for them. Auto insurance. Me too. Me yeah. too. Uh, I was an attorney for them and I was like, man, wow. I just couldn't, they how arrogant to, they really are. They used to tell me this is the greatest job in the world. This was like in 2007, 2008 during the financial crisis. This is the greatest job in the world. You should be lucky to even have a job. We're going to tell you when to take a bathroom, when to have lunch and when to be on the phones and when to do all this. But you know what? You should be lucky to even have a job. And I'm like, fuck you. I'm out of here. Can we talk about something a little bit, a little bit better now so that we're not just going to be oh. breaking out into sweats in the middle of the night. Oh man, let's, let's be positive. I'm still positive. I'm always positive. You know, as passionate as you were right now, one thing that I am not going to forget about the Orlando meetup is the perma smile that you had from the <laughs> beginning of the night until the end, even after the bill arrived. Well, maybe not as much then, but still, <laughs> the you know, smile that you had throughout the night was just freaking classic. I spoke to my wife and she's and I, I'm like, do you see Ali? She's like, she started cracking up. She's like, he's so freaking excited. He is like pumped. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I really was. Um, I mean, to see that many people come to an event and to, to have an audience like that, to communicate with everybody, the networking, um, the, the, just the exposure to people in the industry. I mean, it's priceless, you know, um, you know, as an attorney or even as a public adjuster, it's all about relations, right? Absolutely. People don't, people don't want to, uh, you know, give claims to any average Joe or Joe Schmo, right? They, they have to trust you. And, and it's an honor actually to get in a, a claim from a public adjuster or a contractor or a policyholder, homeowner, and you represent them in court. And to, to these, these events help you create that rapport within the industry. You know, help you establish, develop those relationships. They people start to look at you and they see, okay, this guy's actually litigates cases. He settled over five hundred something cases in the, in the past three years. This guy's somebody that I might consider. You know, he's settled over thirteen million dollars in gross settlements in, in, in less than three and a half years. He's he's shown me the numbers. He's got a, he's got a good plan. These kind of events allow you to meet people and interact with them. I meet a public adjuster who's who's pushing over 300 claims a year who's looking for an attorney to help him because he's reached a point where he's got like, you know, hundred claims that, you know, he needs help on to go, that needs to go to litigation. Well, you know what? You're not going to trust anybody with those claims. You got to trust someone that you're going to, you know, that's going to do a good job for you. And these kind of events, getting to know people um, are really wonderful, man. Like, and, and, I, and I, to have that opportunity, to meet people in the industry. My, that's why my face was smiling the entire time. It was just, it was like, man, I'm, you know, this is a blessing, you know? I liked it because everybody has like a common purpose. Everybody has a common goal. Everybody's there to just sort of sort of be with one another, another share each other's knowledge. You know, one thing since I started this commercial claims advocate and educating, uh, my target market is is newer public adjusters. I'd say from zero to two years is really the majority of the people that listen, uh, not on the podcast, but more on like the courses and the, and, the, and the, you know, educational videos that I do. I've actually learned more from them than I've learned than I think they probably have learned from me. 
And I've been doing this for almost 14 years now. It's just yeah. the little nuances because they're, they're newer to the game. So they're like trying out different things or they're working for a particular company that's doing a particular thing. And I'm just like, oh, wow, you know what? I didn't even think about that because sometimes I am a little bit old. We all eventually become a little bit old school in our ways because we stick with what works. But when we find out some of the new things that are going on, it's really cool. And what I've noticed with bringing public adjusters together is that we share all that knowledge and it only makes us stronger because there's no reason for us to be competing against each other. As you know, there is plenty of business out there. There are plenty of claims out there across Florida, across the country. And there's no reason why we should be fighting one another because at the end of the day, it's really not us against us. Frankly, it's us against them. I agree. And I feel the same way about, you know, fellow plaintiff's attorneys. You know, we have these events. We share so much information within the plaintiff's. Sure. Uh, uh, there's a FAPIA attorneys organization, by the way, where we're all sharing motions and recommendations for mediators. You know, on our side, it's much more cordial, you know, because um, we, we all represent because we're looking really to protect the homeowner. Right. Which is us. Right. Who is the homeowner? Right. It's not some ambiguous person. Uh, from from you know up in the sky, it's the homeowner, right? It's it's you and me. It's your mom. It's your dad. It's your uncle. Your aunt. It's you know Uncle Bob across the street. It's you know your your, your Ned Flanders and Homer Simpson's neighbor. You know it's 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 it, these are uh, obviously not real, but you know what I mean. Man? Yeah. These are real people, and people have to understand that that's who we represent. You know, versus these giant corporations that are looking just to minimize their losses and make as much money as possible. You know, it was funny. I worked for State Farm, right? And it was when I was leaving them, we had meetings and they discussed, you know, how in these meetings, and I'm not going to give too much information away because I, I worked there. And I don't want to violate my trust with them because I did work there. But I can certainly describe to you how they would talk about how much business they were making. And and how the business has gone up for them uh, within the last three years. So all the stuff I'm watching in the media about, oh, there's an insurance crisis and they're causing litigation just causing rates to go up. And, and, oh, you know, it's a crisis. It's a crisis. And the homeowner is suffering. Dude, this is all because of the insurance company. I work for them. I just left them. They are making a ton of money. They are, in fact... Now, uh, putting in uh, policies where in place where, you know, uh, they're, sh you know, uh, what, what's this new concept where businesses are, are trying to become more efficient and, 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 and uh, implement all these new financial, uh, you know, cost cutting measures in, in, in their uh, company? State Farm is no different. Uh, right. Yeah. All of them. They are. Right now, when I left, they shut down like two or three offices. Oh, People they shut that, down the one I worked for in Miami. They shut the one. They shut down the one I worked for. I think in Miami and for Lauderdale. I think <laughs> the only one they have right now is Winter Haven. Yeah, and the reason why is because you know uh, they've used statistics within. Yes, their it's that ratio I'm talking about too. They have to have premiums over claim payments. It's just a must. And that and, and it's not just claim payments, but it's also um, payroll too. Payroll has to be under premiums as well. Analytics. So they're using analytics. That's what they're calling it now, right? Basketball, NFL using it. Analytics everywhere, right? It's a common parlance used. Now State Farm is using analytics to basically uh, get rid of people. 
and make more money. That's it. That's really yeah. it. Speaking of rates though, you know how many people have decided to not file a claim because they're worried their rates are going to go up as a result of the claim? It's so ridiculous every time. These people, I try to explain to them, but there's, uh, people are just so brainwashed by the tons of commercials, commercial, 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 uh, like a good neighbor, in good hands, all this crap. And then the worst part is for us, when you Google search public adjuster or a, how to hire a public adjuster or benefits of a public adjuster, whatever, the first 10 sites are written by insurance company people and that are bashing. You don't have to hire a public adjuster. You shouldn't hire a public adjuster. Be careful with the public adjuster and all this. Watch out for this and watch out for that. And it's like, come on, guys. I know the propaganda is really and it's 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 crazy. And it's I tell people, I said, be careful. I know you're going to. Uh, uh, so I'll schedule an appointment for tomorrow. I know from here to tomorrow, you're going to Google search public adjust. Just be careful because a lot of those negative comments are written by insurance companies. And they all are. And and that's the thing because it, it affects their bottom line. And they say something like when they someone hires a public adjuster, it's something like there's a fifty percent, eight hundred and fifty percent. Yeah, something like that, something insane, right? Like raise in terms of claim payment. So of course they're going to encourage people not to get them. They're going to scare yeah, you. Of course, yes, it, of it, course. It, it hurts their business model. Yes, fact, exactly. I have a public adjuster who just showed me an anti-public adjusting endorsement. It's there. The policy. And it's I'm there. like, is this even valid? Because it violates the statute. You can't cut, you can't pass uh, an endorsement that violates a statute. What statute does it violate? Please. Uh, the public adjuster statute, the statute yeah. that, 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 that allows for public adjusters. You can't create, you can't use a statute to create a profession and then say, uh, then the insurance policy to eliminate it. Isn't that the, if the law says, Hey, you must, we're creating this profession, right? But yet this, the policy is going to eliminate that profession is going to eliminate that statute. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm thinking that this is something we should challenge. Um, and take yes. it front of a judge. I've seen it. I, I I ran into it once. I filed a claim anyway. I was able to get paid. They didn't call me out on it. I have one going this on is, right now. This and is I'm two like, years send ago. me the whole pot. He just sent me the letter where they don't even cite to the actual provision. Right. They, they just cite to that anti uh, public just, adjuster. It's in the back of the policy. It's random. It's just sitting there. So I'm like, I told so I told the public adjuster, send me the entire letter. Let me take a look at it and let me see what this thing says. If we got to, we fight it. We'll decide, we'll just file suit. They don't want to let you get involved with it. We'll file suit, and then they'll end up having. Then I'll get you. I'll get you twenty percent for you. Okay? There you go. It's crazy, you huh? Know? Really? People don't understand the crap that we have to deal with. And, and to me, it's like, okay, you're forcing public adjusters now. Anti-public adjuster statute. What does that do now? That forces now the case to go to litigation even quicker. Right? Absolutely. So how is that helping the whole? Like so. It's just like, it's like a silly, it's like a silly, silly, silly um, endorsement. It's just like, really? And then the Department of Financial Services, right? Allows that shit. Where where are they? Where are they? They allow that shit. It pisses me off. uh, What about the $10,000 water damage caps that they're allowing and that they slipped into the policy? It's so mafia when... I don't like to usually mention, but fuck it. We've been mentioning insurance companies. It's so mafia when Citizen says, here's what we're going to do. You have a $50,000 loss. You can choose our, our people and we'll, 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 we'll honor the $50,000 worth of damage. But if you don't use our people, we're going to strong arm you and only pay you 10. How does that get passed? That's horrible. How does that happen? That's actually not a bad one. There's ones that actually just cap water damage 
to 10,000, no matter what. That's annoying too, obviously, but still there's something about giving you that and, or either, or I know. It's so mafia that it's just like, here's what we're going to do. We're just going to grab you by the balls and you're going to do whatever we want to do. And then it's hard to go against that because frankly, it's like you now agree to not use their people. So it's like, it's, it doesn't look good either. It's almost like, it's like a violation of the Rico act. It's like, it, it's like, a, it's like, what is this? It's like, it's like a racket, you know? In essence, it's, you know, it's a racket. It's exactly yeah, it, a racket. And it's what you're talking about with the Senate Judiciary, well, with the with the with the Senate bill. I mean, that's what it is, is, is the people who are there who are, who are passing these things, too. I mean, let's face it. I mean, you've got the lobbyists. You've got all these things they are all run by insurance companies. So they're going to side with insurance companies because they have the billions of dollars to give them to get reelected. Senator Boyd, B-O-Y-D. He's the guy that's been pushing this legislation the hardest. And he has been working for the insurance industry for most of his career. I think he was an insurance agent. Um, and, oh, my God, this guy is like the, the most anti-homeowner uh, friendly legislation in the, that I can remember. You know, um, and it's all happening because really the, the, the Republican legislature is dominating the state right now. And we have as, as attorneys, public adjusters, man, we have to do something really or it's just going to get worse. Absolutely. Hey, Ali, would you, uh, do you want your kids to be an attorney, to be, to be lawyers? No. Never. Oh, never. No way. Why oh not? I, you know, I love what I do, uh, but it takes a certain personality. Um, you know, what do you mean? Like, sure. you, like, like you have no soul. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, man. I got a soul. No, you're the man. Hey. Hey, I, you know, I, I made diddly squat, by the way. I was a prosecutor for over five and a half years, and I barely made anything. Right. Like, I worked for the government, all right? And then I did insurance defense work for almost then a decade after. Dude, we don't get paid much on the insurance defense side, by the way. That's what yeah. I was going to just talk about. Like, those guys don't get paid much either, right? It's like oh. the water mitigation guys. It's like the AOB guys. Like, it's the same thing, right? They don't get paid jack. And then, and so, and then I, I did that mainly to learn how the insurance industry works. So I, I was a prosecutor to basically learn how to try cases. You know, I got to try jury trial after jury trial. So I figured out that, hey, I'm a decent trial attorney. And then I, I didn't want to do criminal defense because I threw too many bad guys in prison. And just, I have little girls and I just, I, I wanted to change fields. So I was like, you know what? I want to sue insurance companies at the end of the day. I would really like to be that consumer advocate type attorney. That's really what I, you know, a homeowner's advocate, policyholder's advocate. That's what I wanted to be. But to get to that point, I know I gotta, I gotta, you know, I gotta lie down with the snakes in the grass to see how the snakes function, you know. Um, and and that's what I did for about a decade. I worked for you know different law firms from Gorelli Salmon, Cole Scott Cassane, Butler Pappas to an in-house trial attorney for State Farm. For almost a decade working for these insurance companies. I work for close to, man, I don't know, man. I can't give up an exact percentage, but it seems like over 70 to 80% of insurance companies in this state. I used to train the corporate representatives for citizens and state farm um, for deposition when the depositions were coming up. Um, so I, I set myself up to when to where when I needed to switch sides, I knew what I was doing. I knew what this how a bad faith complaint CRN has an effect on the insurance company because I was on that side for a decade and saw how it affected them. What happened? I knew, 
What happens? What happens? Oh my God. So usually when you file a CRN, it goes to the adjuster supervisor. Typically a red flag goes off and someone looks at the claim closer. And typically uh, more authorities put on the file or, you know, something is done on the file that uh, where, or the attention is given that you were seeking, <laughs> you know, where they were totally ignoring you before. Um, I even have with my work with my public adjusters, I even have certain emails and I tell them to ask for certain documents. And, 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 and I tell them, look, ask for these documents and make them justify to you why they're not giving it to you. I because do that. I do that right good, off the good, bat. Good. Yeah. I send a letter with my LOR requesting a bunch of documents, especially good. if it's that's already been paid. I request a whole ton of stuff. Good, good, good. Excellent. And, and ask that, them why what? And ask them why what? Why? If they're not giving it to you, why? Why? A lot of times they'll say, well, it's work product. It's legal. Well, why is it work product? What about it is a work product? Make them articulate why they're not giving you stuff. Because that shows you more. That, that, that proves the bad faith even more. And that helps me as an attorney. When I get the case, okay, why do they do this? Why they didn't do this? You know, and it's it's wonderful. It's wonderful. Like, why are you not giving the policy before the lawsuit? You have a reason for that. So you're just gonna hold my. You can just put a blindfold around my client's eye Seriously. until the claim is denied without giving them a copy of the policy. That's not right. That's bad faith. You're putting your interests over my my client's interests. That's against the law, buddy. Bad faith, CRM. You know. Oh, you're you, you're not. You're, you're saying that the wear and tear exclusion applies to this provision? How? How, how is this roof being worn and torn? This ain't a car. You don't drive a roof. You know? How, how is this roof exhibiting wear and tear? Cut this bullshit out, man. You know? Seriously, that's some straight up bullshit. Wear and tear is a common parlance that you use when you run down something, right? Your car, whatever, right? That shit's wear and tear. It calls wear and tear. There's no wear and tear to a roof. A roof only sits around your roof, man. It either functions or it doesn't function. And the, and the, what's the reason for it? Okay. If you're saying it's old, that's why it's not functioning. Just say that. Is old excluded under the policy? No. The burden is on them. It's an all-risk policy, right? So actual, actual physical direct loss is covered typically, right? That's the language in the policy, right? They don't like to talk about this stuff, right? They love to talk about their exclusions, but they don't want to talk about the provision that actually provides coverage because that's even stronger. And, and, and actually it's the, on the, it's the carrier's burden to prove the exclusion at trial, not the other way around. So in fact, you don't even have to put an expert up at trial. You don't have to call an engineer. You don't have to call. I like to, I want to, but you don't have to. You just have to get up and say, you know what? My property got damaged during this policy period. It's covered. Now they have to prove that it's excluded. So, you know, to me, just from the nature of, of the provisions that they're citing and how they, you know, it's silly. And, and like that wear and tear provision, they use it religiously to, to deny roof claims. And then they wonder why you file suit. Deny it for a legitimate reason. Show it's not covered under the policy. If it's not coming under the policy, then we won't file a lawsuit. Simple no. as that. What is that? Woo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo. Spitting hot fire from Ali yeah. Kadir. Excuse my French for swearing, but, you know. You told me you, know, you, told me you weren't going to curse. You said that you, we weren't going to curse because of your kids. And look at you, you potty mouth. I try not to curse. Um, 
But yeah, like, you know, so just going back to it, my experience as, you know, going through all that for a decade. Now I'm a plaintiff, I'm an attorney in a plaintiff's firm for the past three years. And I've used all that knowledge and experience to go after them. Man, I mean, 15 million, I'm sorry, 13 million in gross settlements in less than three and a half years. That's badass. I'm obviously doing something right. My methods work in some way, in some way. Um, That's because I worked for the carrier for so long that, you know, they know I mean business. You know, I tried cases for a state farm. So when I'm setting a case for a trial for a state farm, they know I'm going to go to trial. Um, and it's going to be a knockdown, drag them out trial. And if they want to go, okay, we can go. But the, most carriers end up paying, you know? Yeah, I was going to say, how often do you end up in trial? Because 13 years, I've never been in trial. Oof. I mean, I, was, I went to trial as a prosecutor more than, and then on the defense side at, at State Farm twice. And then on this past three and a half, less than three and a half years, none. They all settle. I mean, right. my client gets the money that they want. Um, so, I mean. But you're ready. Uh, you're ready. <laughs> I'm ready. I, 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 I prep them as if they're going to trial. That's why I set depositions right off the bat. I file my CRN. I have that dangling over their head. So if they want to go to trial and I get a dollar, I'm going to file a bad faith lawsuit the next day. And I love juries. I love picking juries. Um, you know, as a prosecutor, I grew to love that stuff. So, you know, it's like, it's, it's like my second home. Uh, the courtroom to me. I love it. I mean, I, I'm just being, I love it. it. Either you love it or you hate it, you know? Uh, it, either it fits you or it doesn't. And it doesn't matter what law school you went to, whether you went to Harvard, where you went to Nova, a lower rank law school, or, or whatever the heck you want to, that does not mean jack shit, okay? Johnny Cochran went to like a four-tier law school, okay? He is a it bad motherfucker. Mean, it does not mean jack shit, by the way. I'm just being honest with you. All, all that counts is that... Uh, you know, does a jury like you? Can you present your argument? Are you quick on your feet? Are you, can you think quick? Can you change your argument on the fly based upon what this person is telling you? Can you cross-examine someone based upon what they're telling you? Can you change how you're going to ask a question based upon what this juror is asking you, you know? And I love that shit, you know? Like, I, I feed off of that. Like, you know, if I wasn't doing this, I'd probably be doing acting. I one of the two. I just, I like being in front of people and it, and it makes me, it makes me go, you know, but I'm not acting here in the courtroom. I, I represent the homeowner. I represent the right side and I'm going to hold your feet to the fire. I'm going to take you to trial. I'm going to get my client their money if you don't pay it. because you know what? I, I'm ready to do it. And I prep myself for that and I enjoy it. And the carriers know that, you know, the carriers know on the other side, which attorney's bluffing, which attorney actually is, willing, is actually going to go to trial, and which one just talks a good game, you know? They do, huh? Oh, of course. <laughs> Man, the first thing they ask on the defense side when I was, who's the attorney? Right. Who filed a lawsuit? That's oh, it. This who's, guy? My, who's my bitch? Yeah. Uh-oh, oh, he's just going to settle. Oh, right. if this guy, he's going to take your depot. He's going to, he's going to, it's going to be five, six hours. He's going to knock you down. He's going to bother you. He's going to take this guy's depot. Just man, just settle the shit. It's not worth your time. This guy's right? an asshole, which is probably the best thing you want to hear from the other side. I love to be hated. I'm yeah. the nicest guy in the world during the war. Um, but I mean, I ask the toughest questions um, and they end up being four or five hours, not intentionally because they're not answering my question. And then by the time we're done, they never want to see me again. Um, <laughs> love it. But we get our money. We get our money right away. And, and it's wonderful. And, and 
to me, that's where I get my pleasure. I get no pleasure from making people feel bad, look bad. I'm not, you know, I'm not a, I'm a dad with kids, man. I, at this point, you know, it's not about personal things, you know, um, I'm doing it. I'm really doing it to help people. Like, you know, I, when I was a prosecutor, I, I loved helping victims, man, in the courtroom. Like people that have been sexually abused, uh, victims of domestic violence. Like that's what fed me. That's what made me go. Kept, you know, I, when I went to trial with the sex, sex victim, the sex abuse victim, I mean, are you kidding me? Like, let's go, you know? And oh yeah, the jury convicted you? Yeah, see my face? I convicted you. You know, like I, 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 I had no qualms about that. Like I, I, I'm like, yep, this is me. Yep, yep. I put you in prison. Okay. Let, during sentencing, I make sure you see my face. Wow. You're never, ruthless because they were such bad people. And they, and, and I, and I felt good doing that too. That's why I did that job. You know, I, I never put someone in prison that didn't deserve it. You know, um, in my opinion. Um, and I, I, I don't, I don't enjoy uh, ruining people's lives, but you know, if you're doing such a heinous crime, um, someone's got to hold you accountable, right? And the prosecutor will. Uh, I had, a, I mean, I've had some crazy cases, man. Like I've seen people get hit with baseball bats. Like this one case, this this guy, a uh, gentleman, went into a, a, a hair salon and on video robbed it with the baseball bat by beating, bashing the woman's head in. All on video, and you hear it too, like, uh, like a Jose Canseco, Mark McGuire home run. You're like, really? And you and you and this guy wants some kind of you know um, leeway with the sentence. He wants a sentence reduced. He wants. Are you joking? Where it's either full full sentence or we go to trial. Oh, I'm going to plead to the judge. Go ahead, plead to the judge. This I'm going to show the judge the video. Okay, and let's see if the judge will sentence him. For less than 30 years you know and and he pled he pled to the court that happens a lot of times when they, when they want to go to trial against you they'll plead to the judge because i think the judge will give them a lower sentence and i unfortunately sometimes you get a bad judge that 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 gives like you know like bs sentences sometimes like you know and you're like oh it, it undermines you undermines you as a prosecutor it sucks sometimes um but th- but this and this judge was kind of he was he was definitely not not the judge that hit people with hard sentences. So I was a little bit worried, but I showed this judge the video. Once he saw the video, he's like, is this a joke? He's like, I have to give you the max sentence. The video will do it. Yeah, it was crazy. And uh, this guy got, um, uh, uh, you know, put in prison for 30 years off that, you know, for pleading to the judge. So I'm like, the same result would have happened if we went to trial because that was the max sentence. But, you know, that's the thing. Like as a prosecutor, that drives you. You know, you, you enjoy that stuff. Same thing on this side. Obviously, you know, people are not getting robbed and not physically robbed. <laughs> right. They get robbed in another way by the carrier, right? Sure. Uh, your, your regular homeowner is getting screwed in their, in their most vulnerable situation, right? There's damage to your house. You got kids at home. You're an elderly person. And you got this insurance company. You got all the money in the world. Deepest pocket on the planet is saying, no, no, no. It's excluded under some BS exclusion. Oh, are you kidding me? At my most vulnerable state, you're screwing me? Why else did I buy insurance? You know? That's what drives you, right? 
I'm Absolutely. Way, I, well, I see, I see it all the time. I mean, people are just getting screwed left and right. It's a joke. It's a joke. I mean, you should see. I've got this claim right now that's in litigation that they claim that there was no uh, that there was no physical damage as a result of this loss. There's water damage everywhere, everywhere, crazy. like crazy. all over the place. And they're trying to tell me no. I mean, I'm not worried because we're gonna hit a, we're gonna hit a home run on it. But at the same time, it's just like you're just delaying this. You know what I'm saying? Like, why are you doing this? Like, who do Bad you faith complaint? CRM. Who do you work for? You know, I mean, and, and, and you're right. It literally says it that um, it literally says it in the in, in, in the statutes and in the law that they're supposed to be looking out. It's their job to look out for the homeowners and the policyholders best interest. And it's ridiculous. It's a business. It's not in their best interest. They never do. They never will. Unless you hold them accountable. That's why we exist, man. That's why you exist. That's why I exist. Man, we're here to battle, man. You know? Battle for the most vulnerable people. Well, I mean, we can wrap this up. That was, yeah, man. It was great talking to you, man. Dude, I that was amazing. Uh, You're a fucking badass. <laughs> no, man. I, I actually how, enjoy talking to you more than any. You bring out things. How that- do you say, how did you say, first of all, you're a star. Second of all, how is it, you're like me. You were all this talk before the meetup about how, how it wasn't going to be good. You weren't sure you were going to be able to f- perform well in front of the audience, but you're a freaking rock star, Ali. Get out of here. You know, I, it's funny. Like, uh, I, I just, it's, it's like, it's like the passion that drives you, right? For, for what, absolutely. You know, absolutely. I, 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 you know, it's like, uh, I don't do it for myself. Um, I honestly, for me, it's it's the homeowner, it's my family. Like you're saying, man. Yeah. You know, w- when you look at it from that angle, you know, you gave the most appropriate introduction during uh, the meetup, and I was like, man, that is a great, great because that that's exactly why we do it. And you know, I I get nervous. Everyone gets butterflies, right? Even when fifty trials underneath my belt, and I still get butterflies at, at a meeting, right? Uh, just, just the nature of being human, right? Um, if, if you don't, if you don't care, maybe, you know, I care so much about doing, you know, making sure that this thing went well and that everyone, you know, people got their drinks, people were able to communicate with each other. We're actually exchanging ideas, not just, you know, talking to talk, you know? Um, Absolutely. It's great. And, I, and you know, I, I also love like, like public adjusters, fellow public adjusters are, are just cool people, man. Like everybody's like super cool. Like, you know how they always talk about uh, f- oh, this industry, especially, oh, the bad public adjusters, the bad public adjusters, always like the bad public adjusters. And I'm like, now I've gotten to the point where I, I used to say, well, sir, in any industry, you've got your bad apples. Now I'm just like, fuck that. There aren't any. There's yeah, a maybe no. whatever, like any other industry, like a couple. But for the most part, every single public adjuster that I have talked to that reaches out to me, that goes to the meetups that I talk to on a daily basis are great people looking out for the policyholders, doing whatever they can to get them the money that they need to do the repairs. Obviously, we need to make a living. So obviously, we need to charge a percentage for that. But that being said, that's not what it's about. We all know that most public adjusters, and I would say a large majority are looking out for the policyholders' best interests. Yeah. I mean, there's always going to be a bad apple in every profession. There's bad doctors. There's bad, you know, you can't, you can never change that. But I, it, you know, there, it's no different than any other profession. You know, uh, the public adjusters are the most demonized profession in the state after attorneys. It's, it's like, it's like in the, we can't, 
get any good coverage from us in the media or whatever, automatically looked at as bloodsuckers. Bloodsuckers. Uh, you know, it's 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 sad. It's kind of sad, you know. And and I get it. Maybe there's been some reputation uh, uh, been developed with some you know bad CD characters uh, in the industry, but they're also good attorneys. They're also good. Uh, majority of attorneys are good. Majority of public adjusters are good. And and <laughs> hey, how's it going? She can't hear you. Oh, okay. Yeah, the majority is. Vast majority. And and when you meet good people like yourself, and I, you know, when you when you see that there's good attorneys out there helping you, they're not trying to milk you or the milk cases from you, you're actually working together to get good results. Isn't that actually a good thing? Isn't that like no. a beautiful thing? Isn't I, I, that I, that makes insurance companies virtually unstoppable? Uh, I mean impossible to stop us. Yes. It's yes. when we become corrupt and when we start getting silly, is when we open up opportunities for them. To do bad stuff to us. Exactly. So why would we do that? We have no intention to do that. It just doesn't make sense. Let's keep a beautiful thing beautiful, right? I've had attorneys say I've had I've I've called especially early in my career. I've called, asked them for advice. Hey, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? Oh, well, you know, just give it to me and I'll file a CRN. Just 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 hand it over to me and I'll file a CRN. And I'm like, that's not why I called you. <laughs> yeah. No, my job is to educate you to tell you how to draft a CRN, and then if you res- if you're able to resolve it, great. No litigation needed. I got you the results that you wanted. You're going to want to use me as an attorney yes. somewhere down the line later because I helped you out without having to delay your claim, right? But isn't that what I should be doing? <laughs> and, and, and to bring this full circle, it's how we started the, the conversation was you are a firm believer that litigation, lawsuits, whatever, should be absolutely last resort. Correct. And, and they are when they deny your claim, they underpay your claim, or they don't do anything in 90 days. That's the three reasons. Really, that uh, any one of those three things, the insurance has breached the the uh, the insurance policy, and you can yep. file suit. I get That's it. even denials. I, I get them reversed because they That's know. Wonderful. That's because wonderful. they know. Yeah, hey, and obviously, when you file suit, they get reversed regularly, right? Yeah. Uh, the one that gets reversed the most, I love, is the seepage one, right? Constant repeated seepage. That's like the worst ambiguous. There's all this case law that's held it to be ambiguous, and they keep denying claims on that. On that exclusion, I'm like, are you serious? Because this is the stupidest, dumbest exclusion, and which courts have held to be ambiguous. And you're telling me not to push that to trial? You're telling me not to bring that in front of a judge? It, when all the case law says it's ambiguous? Of course I am, because you're relying upon it to, unlawfully to deny my client's claim. Right, Vince? Which they do every freaking day. Every freaking time. And so who's wrong? I, you know, Right then and there, that's an ambiguous policy provision, conclusively held to be ambiguous by case law. Yet they're still using it to deny claims. Can you, Who's committing uh, the bad faith? Who's can, you lead, can you lead any of our listeners to that case law? <laughs> yeah, I, um, Hicks, um, uh, Whiteley. I, ha- I can give you the citations. Um, Are we Hicks, allowed to use case law? Is that like a, is that like a, oh, look at your face. I love it. <laughs> I say, why not? Why, why aren't you not allowed to? Who says not? I mean, oh, look, I as long as you're not practicing law, right? There's a, you got to be careful, right? You can't. You don't want to look like you're being an attorney, right? Because that's where our, that's where you kind of blur the lines a little bit, right? As a public adjuster, sometimes you're an, you're you're a policy advocate, right? But you you don't want to you do not want to blur the lines and be an attorney, right? Like you 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 can't. What, what's the difference between the two? I, you know, it, it's kind of it can be challenging sometimes, right? Um, because you are an advocate, uh, and both are advocates. Um, the way I look at it is that 
Yeah, but I mean, it, I don't see how how I just don't see how citing a case from years ago, whatever it is, I don't see how that's us practicing law. That's just citing something that's over and done with. It's a case from years ago. Like, what is that? We're not. Yeah. I think practicing law would be what? more like well, you're, you're filing like complaints in court. You're acting like you're an attorney, you know, and, and even though you're a public adjuster. You know, you're, you know, you're not you're not practicing law. Can you're you actually, be more specific? Because I don't I don't see a big difference besides the fact that we're not barred and we're not, you know, we're not licensed attorneys. Well, like you can't file a lawsuit, right? Right. Why the hell would I want to do that? Exactly. That costs money. That's it. That's really it, right? Like you can't ever give you can't you're not gonna write a letter and say, Hey, I'm an attorney, do the da da da. That's other, it. Other than that, to me, like you're you're not gonna be writing like uh, motions and, and briefs and giving them case law interpreting this this opinion you you may just know of an opinion say hey there's opinion that's held this provision that you're relying upon to be ambiguous here it is you're not going to be like drafting a, a motion about it and, and you know that's to me that's the difference you get what i'm saying because like you're not you're not practicing law you're 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 basically stepping into the shoes of the insured and and doing what they what they can do they can look up that case themselves online i mean right that that that, that doesn't change as long as you're not turning into an attorney. And that's it. And I think we kind of kind of define that, right? You're you're not practicing law. So I think I you're think not you're, saying you're not saying, hey, I'm an attorney representing the insured. That to me is practicing law. Absolutely. Or you're drafting like briefs and, and like motions interpreting this provision and, and, and you know doing stuff I like that. I wouldn't even know I wouldn't even know where to do that. Can people exactly. even do you that? Should. Yeah, you shouldn't be right. So yeah. yeah, correct. Like, where would you do that? So, like, so, you know, like, so, but as long as you point out that, hey, you're relying upon this provision and this provision was held to be ambiguous, you're just telling them what the law is, right? Aren't you allowed to tell them what the law is? What was it? Well, what did it say? What was the case law? Oh, it's Hicks and Whiteley. Yeah. So it's, it held that the first third. So it basically held that the uh, seepage provision is ambiguous, right? It said, you know, it's constant repeated seepage or leakage uh, within uh, 14 days, right? use the 14 day mark. You've always seen those, right? The court said basically that the, the first 13 days are covered. This, ex, this exclusion did not unambiguously exclude the fir first 13 days that leak is occurring. Maybe 14 days afterwards it's excluded, the leak, but the first 13 days is covered in essence. So the court basically held that this is ambiguous. It can be interpreted both ways. So there's coverage. The first 13 days, and then that, that was it. And so now that provision... Anytime you see that provision now being used by the carrier, you, you need to say, hey, so the first 13 days are covered, right? So the first week is covered, right? Because it's up to two weeks. It's excluded. And they, they'll never say no. Get them to say no. And then, then show them this opinion. They, they, won't. <laughs> uh -huh. they won't. They won't. They won't because they'll be lying. But doesn't it read for bad faith? Doesn't it really doesn't it re, uh, read constant repeated seepage for longer than 14 days? For a period of 14 days or more. Right. So for 13 days, it's covered. And if they say no, get them. Get them. The provision has been held to be ambiguous, and but carriers still use it. They've amended it now to say for any period of time, constant repeated seepage or leakage for any period of time. The, I mean, that's that's like, then what's the hell of the point of having <laughs> what's insurance? The point of having so, insurance. Every, every, so the moment it goes off, the leak, it's not covered. Not covered. The it's actual constant. physical damage is not covered then. What is constant and repeated seepage? Yeah. I mean, once it, it starts, it's, if it's for it's five seconds or five days, it's still it's still constant for five seconds. So to me, even that provision is vague 
and they still rely upon that stuff. And I got I, one I, the other day. <laughs> dude, I love that stuff. I file suit over that all the time and I make them and they all settle. Like they don't go nowhere. They all settle. You know, all these cases settle. you know, they're never going to push you to trial. Well, that's, kind of, they know they all settle. Kind of they know they all settle. They know they all settle. They know they have to pay all of your fees. And that's why they got this freaking Senate Bill 76 going. They all settle at some point unless they're committing some kind of fraud or, you know, there's overlapping damages with the prior. Claim. You see that a lot because that's what we were talking about last week was insurer fraud. I'll be honest with you, um, far and few. Um, I mean, it, it, what kind of fraud are you going to have? It, right. It's so, either, for, it's for example, there's damage or there isn't, right? Yeah, but what about like uh, what about missing not misinterpreting, but literally changing engineering reports or sending out an, a, a completely biased engineer that's going to say whatever you want them to say? Like for example, I, Hurricane Sally in New Jersey. Okay, they had these houses that were total losses because the 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 the, the tide. Or what is it called? The right, not the the tide, the uh, the rush of water. I forgot what the term is for that. It it basically it put these homes off of their off of their foundation, and you know a total loss needs to be completely rebuilt. They're sending out their engineers. The engineers are saying that this damage is as a result of this storm, and the insurance company is changing it to say that it was pre-existing. This crack or whatever is pre-existing. This thing that moved like this, this home is pre-existing, was there before, or long-term wear and tear. Yeah, that's hard. That's crazy. That was on but six minutes. They, but that's the standard MO of the, of the insurance companies. Then, then what you Bias. said- That's what we were, you didn't get into that. Yeah, everybody that they send, I tell in my course that we give to the PAs, I tell them, when you approach a loss, look to see what experts you can hire. And don't be discouraged because I get a question all the time. Hey, is it okay for me to call a plumber? Hey, is it okay for me to call this? Do not be discouraged if you feel in any way that you're- expert is biased in any way. And I don't want to, you know, but because the insurance company is sending an expert who is completely biased on their end. Well, here's the thing. Our guys are not biased. And here's the difference, right? The difference is this, and, and understand this. The insurance company has uses the same insurance, uh, sorry, the same engineer for probably over years. They and, the same, them, and the same okay. plumbing company. I meet that freaking C&D plumbing all the time. Correct. So they have established business relations and financial relationships with these guys. The homeowner doesn't. The homeowner's met this engineer for the first time. Any engineer that a homeowner gets is usually the first time. Remember, it's the relationship between the parties, not me. Maybe I've used an engineer multiple times or recommended one. My relationship with the engineer has nothing to do with the homeowner's relationship. I'm not the one going to try. It's the homeowner. But but it's, it's who... The for the for the insurance company, they're using the same. They are the ones making that same decision, you know. And 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 the reality is, is that my my uh, my my client has dealt with this this engineer for the first time. The other way around, you know, uh, State Farm has it. And so, like this evidence, when you go to trial, the jury hears that my guy's never had any prior relationship with this engineer, but State Farm has used his engineer for the past ten years. And it's paid them, you know, X amount of dollars, millions of dollars. So what does the jury think? This guy's a hired gun to do what State Farm wants. That's what you always say, hired gun. They are, man. They really are. Uh, and I think, uh, you know, a lot of our trials, well, I don't think I know whether even if it's an injury case or a property damage case, whenever you sue an insurance company, literally on an insurance claim, all the people that they're using to adjust your insurance claim 
are people that they're hiring to, to, to minimize their losses. Yeah. Yeah. So that's and a higher well, we, we started again to bring this full circle again, the water mitigation companies that are sent out by the insurance companies. Oh, go ahead. You start talking. <laughs> no, no, but you're right. Like uh, full circle out there. Uh, they have these uh, deals with these vendors, the guys that they, they hire and they're going to give them, they're going to uh, ignore looking at certain damage, not take photographs. How many times have you seen that where they don't get close-ups of the roof or they don't oh. actually get close-ups of the water damage? Like they're, they're not, they don't use a moisture meter when they're supposed to. Again, I'm getting messages from water mitigation companies that are sick and tired of the, of, of, of what do they call it? The, the preferred vendor program, because they are getting, the thing is, is that they're so worried about going out on their own. People aren't natural entrepreneurs and they're like, scared about, you know, inconsistent income. Yeah. So they're just like, you know what? Let me get in with the insurance company. That's going to be consistent income, but it's peanuts. They're losing money on a lot of these things and they're going in there. I go in there and I kick them out, Ali. I kicked them out. If I go into a loss and I see the severity of the damage was three inches, six inches of water throughout this house. And all I see is a few machines set up. I'm like, you realize what you're doing? You've been in here for two or three days. You haven't done a single cutout. And all no you flood like, cuts, no, no flood, flood cuts, cuts no anything. I said, you realize what you're doing? You're just creating a cesspool here. And they're doing that intentionally. You know, they're doing that intentionally. Oh. So maybe not intentionally, not maybe not intentionally, but they have, they have guidelines. Yeah, their guidelines are to do as much little work as possible so the carrier pays out as little as possible. And, and they're not trying to help the insured out whatsoever. They're no. just trying to minimize losses, man. Trying to save money. Save money anyway. That's way what keeps keep. me and you going, bro. I tell people all the time, if the insurance company actually paid what they were supposed to pay, I wouldn't have a job. So I, I shouldn't be even selling my services. I'm only here because of the fact that the insurance company will ultimately underpay you. Same here. Or Don't deny, deny delay, defend. <laughs> I like I'm deny, like, delay, and underpay because it rhymes. You know, that's a, that's deny, delay, and you know you absolutely man. I love it. Deny, that's that's how it is, man. And me, it keeps us going, but and it's never going to change, man. And you know we just got to accept that the industry is like that, and and that's fine. And that's what makes us, you know, my opinion, um, good at what we do, right? We know you've been doing this for what, fifteen years now? 13, 14 years. Oh my god! So I've been I, I've been fifteen years, right? So, I mean, people like us, we have the, you know, the war scars, the stories and everything that insurance companies to, to help our clients. Man. So I'd say still, even to this day, it's probably three times a year and it's not as often as people think, but three times a year is a nasty encounter with an adjuster. It's like, it's not fun. And, I, and you know me now well enough to know that I'm not, I'm actually not, thank God because of my experience and I know the ropes, I know how this goes. I know how to, I, I know how to play myself. I know how to sort of defend myself. But um, because uh, when I was younger and I was early, I wasn't as experienced. I'm already somewhat of a passive guy to begin with. I just want to get along with everybody. Come on, man, let's just be friends. And when there's an investor that does not want that and he shows you, that shit gets your heart rate going. It gets your blood pressure up and it's very uncomfortable. Not cool. And, and, and you know, the funny thing is like, keep letting them do that though. Like be the nice guy, let them walk all over you. Because in the end, that will create more money for us. Absolutely. Like, you know, like be, be assertive for your client. But if he's a jerk, like he's not going to record a statement with you, do your best and, and be like, okay, you're not going to coordinate this recorded statement with you. Well, you, you give us one date and time. I'm telling you my client's not available then. Well, you know what? Then you're forcing me to file suit because you're not giving my, chance, my client a chance to comply with their post office obligations. You go that route. We fight them, man. We beat them up. 
Well, Ali, I appreciate you, man, because you are one of the, I mean, I mean, there's more and more. I'm meeting more and more really good attorneys, obviously. But I mean, the way you are, the way you, thankfully, I've had a, I've had a mentor of mine, David Farber. I'm sure you've seen him on, he's been on the show and stuff like that. Great guy. He's helped me out tremendously in my career, but you're one of those guys. You're one of those guys that you're here to help. So anybody out there that really wants some help, I mean, Ali is the guy. He's going to give you his honest opinion. And if you have been listening throughout this entire episode, if you're watching, I think you should definitely watch this because Ali has been getting in the face of the camera and he swore in the beginning he would not curse because his kids might watch and he just, he broke that big time. It's hard not to, man, when you get passionate. Thank you, Vince, man. It was awesome, man. Honestly, uh, a pleasure. I would love to do this again with you anytime, man. It's. It, I'm just... You gave the passion that you give me when we talk on the phone. Yes. Bring, hey, man, you brought it out, man. You brought it out. Like, you, you somehow are the interview sen- uh, sensation to bring this stuff out. And I, it's like you're public speaking, man. You just got it, man. You know? But like you said, I was actually much more nervous than you. <laughs> Ask him a lot. <laughs> oh, yeah. He asked me, like, on the way, because remember, I had to drive from Tampa to Orlando. And he's like, how you doing? How's it going? How's it? I said, I'm a mess. I don't know what's going to happen. I said, I'm already running late. Uh, I didn't have the best day. I had was yelled at by a client, which doesn't happen very often because I've got so much going on. I have to admit, I forgot to call the client to let them know about the inspection. So I showed up just like that. And there were older people that were pissed. So I had to like solve that. And I'm on my way. And he's like, I'm like, I'm a mess. We'll see how it goes. But all I can do is I'm going to just try my best. Yeah. And when I got on there, dude, I was just like, Bam, bam, bam. Yeah. I couldn't believe it. I was like, everything went exactly how I wanted it to go. I was like, yes, but that's because I was speaking from the heart. And that's the thing. Like, I knew when you came up, when you started out, I was like, wow, he's giving a great introduction. The, the crowd is, you know, listening. I was like, man, we just got to make sure this this vibe and this passion stays. And, and you know, and as long as we don't, you know, we keep, we keep them, you know, motivated, give them ideas to talk about. And you were doing that. You were bringing them together. And it was just a wonderful experience, man. And I think in the end, um, when you passed the mic over to me, I just, I just flowed with it. Yeah. And I, I, you know, I don't like to write out stuff. You know, I learned when I was a trial attorney, never have a written script. You know, you can have some general idea what you want to talk about. I usually have just like two or three bullet points and that's pretty much it. That's what I had for, for Friday. Because you look like if you're writing on, you know, you're reading off something, you look disingenuous. People don't listen to you. It's really when you speak from the heart and, and sometimes impulsive, this helps. So calling Chris up there, really, um, I didn't think, I, at first I was going to, but you know what? That was, I was awesome. Like yeah, I, I was like in the middle of my conversation, he's like, you know what? What's the best thing to do is give these guys an example of, of what I'm talking about and, and, and to show that I'm not, I'm not joking around. I got I to gotta call Chris because I'm doing an appraisal for him. <laughs> oh, dude, yeah, that's my case. Yeah. I, I recommended you for the appraisal, Vince. <laughs> nice, nice. All right. Yeah, so good luck with that one, right? All right, Ali. Thanks yeah, for coming man. on, man. That was a blast. All right, man. I'll talk All to right. you later, buddy. I'll see you later. Take care. Bye. Bye.